Hey folks, welcome to episode 212 of the FLW Podcast in Shaftesbury, Vermont. I'm Jody White, joined, as always, by the one and the only, Kyle Wood. Well, hello. Uh, who's in Hopkins, Minnesota at the moment? Um, we got our full northern exposure uh, plan on here. You know, this is, uh, <laughs> we're not in bass country right now at all. No. Uh, we're in snow country, ice fishing country. Um, Kyle, uh... You know, it's uh, good to be good to be on. Good to be talking with you, as always. Uh, yeah, you made the I, travel safely. I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no issues. Actually, great. Uh, no traffic and great driving weather on day one of the trip up to Buffalo. Uh, day two, a little more traffic and uh, kind of some snow and sleet and stuff, but nothing really too bad. I only had to slow down one little section around Oneida, so basically we were crushing it. Nice. Um, so uh, yeah, all is. All is well. I will say, probably not going to be a lot of animal noises on this. Ah. You know, it's winter time. Um, I got the uh, I got the windows closed. It's like eleven degrees out. Uh, there could be some noises. You never know. The animals are out there, but they seem pretty chill. Well, your Instagram story so far um, has lacked, um, you know, non-household animals, uh, but still plenty of animals. Cats, dogs, different breeds of dogs. So yeah. we're starting well, to get a taste of Jody at home. I've gotten the full suite of dogs in, you know, Joan, Moses, Cricket, and Nessie. Uh, I got another uh, Joan and Moses Instagram, I think. Uh, well, no, I don't think I took it this morning. But I got some food-related ones and stuff that I haven't put up, put up yet that I've got to. And then we may go, uh, we may try and get some specific things. I may also go do, like... I may finally make some ice fishing-esque stuff happen, but that's not really a guarantee because the weather is iffy looking. But anyhow, it's uh, it's all underway. It's uh, Christmas time here for sure. Um, and uh, I guess speaking of northern things, we're going even farther north. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have Charles Sim on for our uh, interview. Um, he's not a rookie. He's fished the tour before, but he's coming back to it this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Charles is from Canada, so... I'm hoping he has a phenomenal accent. I can't really place what his voice sounds like, but when I do the interview, I'm going to find out. Oh, yeah. We're all going to find out. Yes, we are. So let's uh, get to that, and then Kyle, you and I will be back. Love it. All right, and now we're joined by Charles Sim. Uh, not a rookie on the FLW Tour because he's done it before. Last Fish of Tour in 2011. But, Charles, you're back uh, this year. Uh, you're adding to our Canadian contingent. Um, man, thanks for coming on. Ah, thanks for having me, Jody. I'm uh, I'm excited for the season. It's uh, I'm sitting up here in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. It's minus eight Celsius, so about 17 Fahrenheit outside. And I'm looking forward to getting down to Texas soon. Yeah, uh, hopefully it'll be quite a bit warmer than that in Texas. I know early January, you never quite know, uh, but ideally it'll be uh, nice. And you know, even if the lake is kind of high and if there's some weirdness going on. You know, I would expect that you won't have to deal with those kind of temperatures. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to get down there. Uh, well, I want to, I guess, I want to talk about why you decided to fish the tour this year. Um, but, you know, you had a pretty good gap. Like, a lot of times, you know, you fished it 2008, 2009, and then 2011. Uh, just one derby in 2008. Uh, but why, uh, why are you back? Like, why did you stop, I guess? Because... Uh, you know, your results were like, they were up and down. Um, but why did you, why did yeah. you stop? And then like, what happened in between there? Well, I'll, I'll be straight up honest with you. Cause I'm always, uh, kind of honest when it comes to my fishing and my life and stuff. I was, uh, I was probably a little butthurt after 2011. I got my, my rear handed to me pretty good. And, uh, on top of that, I had a bunch of personal kind of life things going on in the kind of, mm-hmm. 12 to 15, 16 range. Um, but yeah, I've always had, you know, the, the passion since I started, I started, uh, at the club level 20 years ago and, and I've always been kind of pushing to the next level, kind of, I'm a very goal oriented guy and, and I've always wanted to get back and, 
this year kind of things lined up. So I signed up for the Coasts earlier in the season. Actually, I spoke to Bill Taylor back in the spring and expressed wanted to get back on the tour. And he explained to me how uh, how uh, some of the rules were changing and suggested uh, I get in the Coasts. So I signed up for the Coasts and uh, luckily enough was able to secure one of the spots on the tour through the Coasts in the Northern. Yeah, so you, you finished 11th up north, and you had a really good season. Uh, you finished 66 at the Thousand Islands, uh, 3rd at Lake Erie, which granted, that's only one day of fishing, but still, top top 10 is top 10, you know, count it. And then 13th at Champlain, uh, when like two 18-pound bags, everyone was crushing them in that derby, but that's still really good. Um, do, you, uh, like, do you feel like you, uh, do you feel like you're a better angler now than you were, uh, you know, back when you were fishing the tour previously, like you're going to be more well-prepared this time around? I hope so. I hope, uh, you know, my decision-making, because I, I truly believe uh, success on the water all comes down to decision-making. And, uh, you know, I, I actually made some bad decisions on uh, on the St. Lawrence in the coast of this year, which resulted in a 66 finish. When I signed up early in the season, I thought that would meet my... Uh, I thought that would be my money tournament. I've been doing really well in Lake Ontario and the St. Lawrence, and it turned out to be uh, my worst of the three events. But uh, the this, this tosses in the Northern just lined up perfectly with me for, uh, sorry, the Costas in the Northerns lined up perfect for me last year. Uh, three great smallmouth fisheries, and uh, smallmouth has kind of become my bread and butter up here in the North. Oh, smallmouth are pretty excellent fish. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> did you catch them on beds at Champlain, like you know, so many else, so many other people did? Yeah, yeah, I really did. I, uh, uh, I'd actually fished. I think in that three-week period, I had four tournament days, and every day had eighteen to nineteen pounds in all different areas of the lake. So it's you know, I love those smallmouth. Uh, those uh, bad tournaments on Champlain, they're just, they're, they're phenomenal. One, once you can kind of figure out how to, uh, how to find kind of the grouped up beds, it's, uh, I was actually able to put a little pattern together where I could pick out a certain piece of structure on the lake and pull up and sure enough, there'd be a group of beds there. So I was, I was pretty happy about that. Do you want to tell me how to do that or not? <laughs> <laughs> well, seeing as we're going to Champlain at the end of June this year. Maybe after. Maybe keep that one. Okay, that's fair. I was I I had to ask. Um, Yeah, I was wondering. So you had Champlain on the schedule. Did that play any role in you deciding to sign up, or was it pretty much it could have been any lake and you were in? Uh, Oh, it was any lake and I was in. I uh, I had an opportunity uh, uh, working with a new group of companies this year. Had an opportunity to fish fish the tour, and that kind of kind of made me kind of jumped in regardless actually i wasn't originally signed up to fish all three costas uh had a conflict with the first one but uh when i kind of made that decision to get on the tour this year i rearranged my schedule and uh now i'm all about goals and chasing the dream and i did what i had to do cool cool well that's awesome and obviously it's a good thing you got in that first one because uh champlain certainly worked out well for you i mean 13th and paycheck is pretty solid um yeah Let's see. You told me that you fished the Bassmaster Classic uh, in 2016, I think. Tell me, like, give me how you qualified for that, uh, and just tell me about that. Because, you know, you've, uh, I don't think you fished the FLW Cup yet. Um, no. But, like, no. you know, you, you've obviously you've had some big-time derby experience. Uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, well, after, you know, 2008, I, I fished my first tour event. I did well. Uh, fished the whole tour in 2009 and had a whole bunch of kind of near misses. Like, uh, I, I think I was essentially one fish out of the cup that year. And that led me to, you know, I, I recovered a bit financially in 2010, tried 2011, and a uh, bunch of personal life stuff just didn't work out. My heart wasn't in it. And, uh, through 12, 13, 14, I was kind of recovering uh, life-wise and, uh, of course, participating in local events. And I've always been part of the local Bassmaster Club here. It got me started, and I like 
participating in it because it's a kind of a giving back. I, I learned a lot from people and I like teaching people. So uh, it was actually through the Bass Nation. I, uh, I'd won our, our uh, provincial qualifier, uh, which qualified for the team. We went down to the uh, Hartford River or Connecticut River in Hartford. Okay. And uh, that was a small fish fishery. And I think I, I, I won my team with 16 pounds for three days. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear is right. To go from, uh, from like a St. Lawrence down to there was quite different. Uh, from there, we advanced to the uh, Nationals, which was on the Wachita River. And, uh, and again, it was a, the Wachita a small fish fishery. And I think I, I had a really good last day, made some, uh, some decisions based on the weather and my positioning and, and was able to uh, come from behind to win our, my division. And of course, advanced to the classic on Grand Lake in 2016. Okay, and you actually like—I'm not going to say you crushed him at Grand Lake, but you didn't do terrible. I mean, you finished uh, 31st, uh, at least if I'm looking at the right standings, and like you beat a lot of really good dudes. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was a super super tough deal on Grand Lake. Uh, uh, the the water had come up like 12 feet about two months before the tournament and then when they sucked it back down real quick uh it messed up the entire lake and it was so dirty and fish were kind of behind and things were off uh i i actually had got really fortunate on the uh the second day i got on a group of pre-spawn fish and uh and had, had an okay bag for what people were catching uh but it's always kind of different to me like growing up in canada here we of course don't we're not allowed to bass fish before the season opens, which is usually after the spawn. So the whole pre-spawn and winter largemouth is kind of a new thing to me and, uh, and a constant learning curve. Yeah. But yeah, I, I was pretty excited to, uh, to, uh, I was, well, I was disappointed not to make day three. I was pretty excited to be the highest finishing nation guy and, uh, and beat some of the, some of the best guys out there. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but you finished ahead of Kevin Van Dam and I've heard he's good. <laughs> yeah, Kevin could catch him. Um, oh. I actually, uh, I actually spent some time with Kevin down there, and what a great guy! Just uh, you know, whether you're one of the, whether you're one of the rookies or one of the newbies, he's just or one of the longtime standing pros. He's just he's the same everywhere. Good guy. That is uh, very cool. Um, so that's an interesting point about not really fishing pre-spawn fish a lot because you are right. I mean, the Northern Division. I've always wanted us to start the Northern Division at the Potomac in, like, March. Because then you'd have a pre-spawn derby, and it'd be off the chain good. But, like, typically, the Northern Division, you're starting maybe with a spawning event, but more likely with an event that's, like, sort of spawn or post-spawn. And then it's all summertime stuff after that. Like, you know, Rayburn is obviously going to be a pre-spawn event. Toho is a pretty good chance there's a lot of fish pre-spawn there. Uh... Although Florida's weird, like, you know, you never know what really is happening there. But, I mean, Seminole and Grand Lake and, honestly, even Cherokee, like, those could all be, to some extent, pre-spawn events as well. Like, do you, I guess, do you have, like, a level of trepidation about that? Or do you feel like you kind of have a little bit better handle on how to follow those fish around and, like, figure out where they're headed to, if that makes sense? Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. I, uh... I, I definitely there's a there is a little bit of concern there because it's definitely not in my wheelhouse. If you put those fish up a little shallow or a little on the bed, I consider myself a really good sight fisherman. But when they haven't quite moved right up yet, it's uh, it's something new for me. But uh, you know, in the world we live today, there's there's tons of information out there, lots of research, and I'm trying to be as prepared as I can, and I'm uh, I'm. I'm going to be trying to make the best decisions possible. It's all about being efficient on the water, and uh, the more efficient you are, the better you can perform. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I would imagine, like, you know, you've seen some of those conditions before, but it was a while ago. And, you know, now that it, from the sounds of it, obviously you fished a lot last year, like, getting into the groove of fishing heavily, like, that'll make everything you see and all of the learning you do, like that'll, that'll pick up the rate, uh, as you go. So like, 
I would say even if you go to Rayburn and like, well, you end up a little lost, you might go to Seminole and like pretty quickly be like, oh, here's, it's it's coming back or you sort of notice a few more things. Like I think just fishing as much as you're going to be fishing this year, like I think that can help someone's fishing tremendously. Oh, oh 100%, 100%. I mean, even last few years when I wasn't, uh, uh, when I wasn't fishing much down in the U.S., I'd still pop down and, and enjoy the catch and release season on uh, Champlain down around Ticonderoga in that April, May area. Oh, dude, isn't that, that fun? <laughs> oh, my goodness. It is. When you can go out and put, I remember one day we had put 75 largies in the boat all on crankbaits, and it was just spectacular. But yeah. that hones, like you're saying, that hones your skills for what's coming up. So, uh, so I mean, it'll be hopefully... I can start out with a bang, but if I don't, hopefully I can ascend and get better throughout the year. For sure. But, uh, I'm excited for Rayburn. I've heard so much about it, and, uh, you know, I can wing a trap around with the best of those, so it'll be fun. I, I like it. How about, uh, I want to kind of talk a little more tour schedule and stuff like that, but are you going to fish the northern division of the uh, Costas as well, or is it more you're just dedicated to the tour? Because the Costas pretty much are all after the tour this year, and if you want to jump in more derbies, they're right there for you. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, Unfortunately, I'm only going to be able to do two of the three. I mean, I am still a, a working stiff back here in Canada, and I'm, I'm taking a lot of time off to, uh, to participate this year. Yep. Luckily, I have a, a career that kind of allows me to do that, but I did have to make some uh, some sacrifices. So I'm going to miss the Potomac event, but I'm definitely going to get in on uh, Champlain and the St. Lawrence. Um, nice. Well, this should be fun derbies. That Champlain one is like kind of late, like mid slash late July. Like that's an interesting time to fish it because I think you've got a lot of ways that tournament can get won. And then I feel yeah. like, uh, you know, the St. Lawrence ought to be up your alley i suppose yeah yeah for sure it's that that uh that july um champlain event it's it's awesome i really feel like champlain owes me (laughs) (laughs) i feel like it owes me too but (laughs) i still love her Uh, yeah like i think back to that 20 2009 season and uh the last event was on champlain and I remember I tied for 10th place. And that was back in the days when the top 10 fished the last two days and they zeroed the weights. And I tied for 10th place and lost the tiebreaker. Oh, man, that's crushing. Yeah. Gut-wrenching. Gut-wrenching. Especially when, you know, I look back at the couple decisions that I made uh, in the event that would have got me that one extra ounce. Like I remember on the, the first day I'd actually pulled a, four and a half pound largemouth off a piece of wood, a little stick up out in the middle of the bay. And there was three other fish with it that all tucked back up under that piece of wood. And I was sitting on like a 17 pound bag at the moment. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to leave those fish for tomorrow. They'll be more valuable tomorrow. And uh, I never called up anymore that day. I did go back to those fish and they were gone. They weren't there the next day. (laughs) That's tough. And if I would have just, plucked off one of those fish, got rid of my two and three quarter pound smallmouth with a three pound largemouth. It things could have been totally different, like career wise. But the decisions you make, and I remember back in the hotel I was talking to uh, Jay Ellis was in the room beside me. And uh, I'm all about sharing my experiences to kind of get other people's life experience. And he told me, he goes, Buddy, when you can catch them, you catch them. And I've stuck with that ever since then. I'm not much of a saving for tomorrow kind of guy anymore. Yeah. You know, it seems like that can be a really smart play because there are so many times where, you know, a guy goes into the final day and they've got a good cushion and they might struggle. But, boy, if they'd gone into the final day only a pound ahead, they wouldn't have won, you know? Like, I, I, it's tough to – saving fish is a tough thing to do. And, yeah, there's – couple situations especially maybe when they're on beds where you have to save them and you need and you know that you need to save them but man there's other times where boy if they're in front of you you might as well just put them in the boat and then find more the next day (laughs) Uh, yeah especially like i find uh when i comparing our northern canada lakes to kind of more reservoir kind of lakes i find things change 
quick more quickly day to day in the uh, in the in the reservoirs than they do in these northern natural lakes. Probably because by the time we're fishing, it's like a steady summer pattern, whereas the fish are constantly in flux, looking to move when you're fitting that kind of spawn pre-spawn area. Yeah, that's true. And you know the times when you fish these southern reservoirs, you fished them mostly during tournaments and. With that being the case, it means those fish get pressured. You know, they, there are a lot, I, I firmly believe that the fish on an average fishery are a lot easier to catch and dumber on day one of practice than they are on day three of an FLW tour event. And that's oh. not anyone's fault other than, you know, everybody knows the best places to look and is able to find them the, great because they're all great anglers. And so you kind of, by default, those fish are the easy ones get caught, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's, uh, it, it's the fish are definitely a little more educated, uh, down in the States than they're up here in Canada. Well, those lucky fish up in Canada have a whole, they have a really long off season. They've got a lot of time underneath the ice. Like there's plenty of time for them to get dumb. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which sure. is uh, very, yeah, I remember very true. One of the first big events I fished was, uh, Costa, I guess it would have been an Everstart back in the day on Champlain, and I was really fresh and really new, and I had my map, and I was all set to go check out a few spots, and every single point and hump and brake light I wanted to fish had like four to six anglers on it. I was like, wow, this is way different than a palm. <laughs> yeah, that's in, and, and that's on a lake that's 100 miles long, too, you know? Yeah, seriously. That's for sure. What are, uh, like, obviously you're looking to, you're getting back into this. What are your goals for, you know, 2019 and then just going forward? Uh, what's your sort of, I assume you want to try and go from having a real job to being a pro angler, if at all possible. And, you know, you've got to, you know, that takes some doing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm in my, uh, my uh, mid to late forties, we'll call it, <laughs> and okay. uh, I, I'm still kind of chasing the dream. And so, for 2019, I guess my my goal would be to qualify for the cup. I, I'd love to fish the FLW Cup and have that opportunity, um, and then of course requalify for uh, for the 2020 season. We've got FLW kind of turning down the field a bit, and so I anticipate a lot of kind of changes within the, the industry, a lot has already started happening. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to be there and, and keep it going, you know, uh, out there representing Canada. And I got a lot of friends and fans here. Um, and of course we've all been following, uh, Gussie and the Johnstons for the last few years and they're phenomenal, phenomenal anglers. A lot of people up here are glad they're not fishing around here anymore. <laughs> I could imagine but, that. Uh, the Johnstons in particular yeah. seem to win basically whenever they go fishing out there. Uh, maybe there are times they just don't put it on social media if they don't win, but I feel like they uh, put a hurting on some of the locals up there. Yeah, they're they're phenomenal. They got uh, you know they they got a strong fishing pedigree. Their father was a pro back in the eighties and nineties, and and uh, and they just get it. They 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 put the effort in. And that that's the key. You've got to put the effort in if you want to perform. You can't you can't just you know do it as a hobby and and hope to have a success. But for sure, uh, I got a question for you because I know you fished some of this. You fished some local stuff. Do you know Eric Luzak at all? And like, what's your uh, and if you do, what's your what's your vibe on him? Because it sounds to me as though obviously he's qualified for the cup you know, via the international division, but it sounds like he's going to, in 2020, fish the tour. So, like, if you have a vibe, yeah. what is it? <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, I don't know Eric very well. I've uh, I've known of him in the kind of, in the fishing scene for a few years, and I talked to him a little bit at the, uh, the Costa Championship, and, of course, after the championship. It's super awesome that he's made the Cup. So excited for him. And even more awesome that he's got a spot on the tour next year. And I think he's, you know, he, he's young, he has the drive, and he has the, 
he's willing to put in the time and effort. And, uh, you know, I wish him all the success. Uh, one of the other reasons I hope to qualify for the cup is uh, he saved a room for me in the house he's got rented. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, yeah, you're going to have to make sure to make the cup to uh, to be able to be there then. That'll be key. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm super happy for him and Corey as well. Corey uh, got one of the cup positions out of the, through the Costa Championship. So, yep. you know, it's great to see see the success there. Um, I, As much as I, I want to do well m- myself, I always like seeing people I know do well. So good for those guys. Yeah, it sounds like you really root for Team Canada, which I like. I think that's fun. I, uh, I'm i a big fan of that. It seems yeah. to me that, you know, there's a there's that group of, you know, there's not very many anglers from Canada who make the step down to fish, you know, the top level. Uh, and just in doing that, it seems like it puts a little bit of an extra bond in there, which I kind of, I appreciate. Because, man, you know, there's a, uh, if you want to like, you know, you can tally up the people who are from Alabama on like, you know, you need all your hands and your fingers and toes and all that jazz to count them. And it's not like that with Canada. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I de- definitely uh, team Canada, but you know, at the same time, I'm, it's kind of weird, but I'm almost like team everybody. Like I want, I, I enjoy seeing everybody do well, but in particular my Canadian, uh, Canadian buddies and, uh, and yeah, there's, there's so, like you said, there's so few people that kind of make the move. And uh, once they're there, it's kind of difficult to do uh, to do well because we're competing against people that have been fishing year round on on these bodies of water. Like like the, we don't have reservoirs up here that are without weeds and and where you know sometimes you're fishing larges in 30, 40 feet of water or something. We're we're mostly shallow fishing, so it's so different. So to succeed to see the guys succeed is awesome. For sure. So Rayburn, uh, let's see, practice starts for that on January uh, January 6th, I believe. Are you ready? Uh, when are you leaving to start the drive down? Because Canada to Texas is pretty significant. Yeah, I got it at about 26 hours. Oof. And uh, I'm, I'm, I've scheduled three days. I won't need three days because uh, but I, I want to have it just in case I hit some weather up on this end. You know, I'll be going through, uh, through of course Ontario and New York and and uh, Ohio and all that. So, so I, I want a little bit of a buffer there, and then I'll be, uh, yeah, I hope to be down there sometime. You know, Friday next Saturday morning. As for getting my stuff ready, a little procrastination on that, but I still got a couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> you got a couple weeks, but they're gonna go fast. I recommend that you uh, begin to buckle down on that one. Uh, because I know, I'll tell you this, Brian Thrift is has been getting his stuff ready and getting it re-ready probably every day since August. Uh, just knowing how Brian Thrift is. So, you're, yeah. you know, not everyone catches up to thrift-level organization, but it's, it should be on the list. Uh, that said, I'm a big tackle, uh, tackle procrastinator as well. I'm really good at being like, well, yeah. I better get ready to go here, and it's, you know, three days before I need to leave. Um, I, I like that. I might put that on my goal to do list. Brian Thrift organization level. Oh man, it's a uh, it's it's an incredible thing, you know. To I get to open compartments in his boat every once in a while to uh, put you know like to put GoPro stuff in and things like that. And I don't spend a whole lot of time like you know analyzing things because there's a lot of secrets in there. I'm not gonna you know I, I, I that's just a fact of life with Brian Thrift. Uh, but man, that guy, uh, he, his organization is like, it's at another level. And just the amount of stuff he brings is at another level too. Like you see all the rods on deck, you know, and he's like got like 20 rods every day ready to go. Well, that's great. But then, and now that he doesn't have co- a co-angler, imagine how many rods he's going to bring. The wild thing is <laughs> it's, it's that. And then also he's got enough tackle to re-rig every one of those rods 450 times in a day if he wants to. I mean, I don't know how his boat gets on plane, but he does it, and man, he is uh, loaded and ready to roll. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm envious. Well, he, he's a small guy, so he can bring more tackle. I'm uh, I'm a little north of 200 pounds, so i got to lighten up on the tackle. <sighs> That's a good point. See, you need that, that maybe speed way north. is key. <laughs> 
Yep, he he is pretty small. I mean, maybe that's why it gets on plane. <laughs> but anyhow, I I tell you what, uh, Charles, I've had a uh, I've had a great time talking with you today. Um, I guess is there any uh, any place you want folks to follow you, whether it's social media or uh, somewhere else? And uh, other than that, I think uh, I'm pretty much ready. I'll see you down at Rayburn. Yeah, that's awesome. No, I'm I'm definitely trying to kick up my social media, um, mostly on Facebook, uh, Charleston Fishing. And uh, I have a YouTube channel, which I'm going to start be putting more stuff on, especially since we're filming every day this year. We should all have some great content. Um, and then, again, if you just look up Charleston on YouTube, I actually put up a little poll on my uh, Charleston fishing page trying to get some uh, somebody to help choose my walk-up song, which FLW wanted. And uh, I think I'm sitting at about 110 suggestions so I got to go through them all and find the best one. But uh, if anyone out there has any more suggestions, jump on Charleston Fishing and uh, let me know. All right, all right. What are you leaning toward? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm. Uh, historically, I've always been a Guns N' Roses "Welcome to the Jungle" fan. I love that power intro. So I think I want to stay in that kind of power area. But uh, it might have to go a little more Canadian band. I'm a huge Tragically Hip fan. And uh, I know Tragically Hip never really stuck that well in the U.S., but Blowing High Doe is just an amazing tune. So that might be where we land. Okay. Well, I uh, have never heard of that. And I, you know, uh, there's a lot of music I've never heard of, though. So hopefully don't take that too personally. But I would, uh, I would lean toward if you've got like a Canadian option, I think. I'm always in favor of that, but you know, however it works out, it'll work out. I'm sure, and we'll see you down here in Texas in uh, very shortly. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's been great talking to you, and uh, hopefully, we get to talk to you after Raber and after putting uh, some big fish in the boat. Sounds like a plan, man. Thank you so much for coming on. All righty, Kyle. Uh, the time has come to talk 2019 FLW tour predictions, uh, and really, the reason we're doing that is because nothing has happened. And uh, this is one of those uh, FLWFishing.com previews that you are all so fond of. Yeah. Um, Kyle, what are you going to predict? Because I haven't seen yours yet, so this will be a surprise to me as well. No, well, uh, I honestly, I don't still really know. The problem is, so there's, I mean, there's a lot of us that are giving our predictions. Uh, yeah. And the we problem is. a whole slew of dudes. I mean, I got tour anglers. I've got commentators. I've got you know, social media folks. I got the whole crew here. Yeah, and the problem is we're now getting, like, uh, since I slacked on it yesterday, there's enough people that have submitted things, and I don't want to do the same one, you know, that's already been done. You could so do I, it in, I mean, if you want to do it in a different way, you that, can that's do true, that. I mean. But I, I'm going to have to start grasping at straws. I'm kind of thinking. What about redoing the Minnesota crew makes the cup? Ooh, I could... Because you got some back. new faces. Well, at least one new face, right? Um, yeah. So you got a newbie. You've got, uh, you know, probably Josh Douglas won't get disqualified this year. And if he doesn't get disqualified, I think he's going to make the cup. Yeah, I think uh, he, I think opinion. he's got it. I think he's got it under his belt this year. I think Austin Felix. He's got uh, it. Bank it. Yeah, like I think he's starting to establish himself really well. That Andy Young article made it sound like he's making the cup. I just got to say. Hey, have you seen the breakfast that guy makes for his crew on the road? Dude, here's the thing. All the year before last, I see, you know, Austin Felix snap, uh, Instagram stories of Andy Young cranking out breakfast, and I'm like, oh, man, this is delicious. Then he got hurt. He wasn't there very much, so I start forgetting about Andy Young's making breakfast. Then Austin <laughs> Felix starts texting pictures of Andy Young making breakfast. Now, I'm going to text you a picture of what I ate for breakfast today, and I'm going to be like, well, Andy Young, top that. But let me tell you, it looks really good. <laughs> You're also uh, in the comfort of your home uh, with your mom. Yeah, uh, mom made breakfast. Andy, was... on like tournament day, will get up at like 3 a.m. and make like the best breakfast you could possibly eat uh, before, or the heartiest breakfast that I bet most guys uh, would die to eat on tournament morning. You know, instead of a, it's no gas station sandwich. It's like yeah. pancakes and eggs and bacon. Now, I mean, see, I'm a big this I'm breakfast a big sandwich looks kind delicious. Of also, um, that you texted me, does it not? Oh man, 
Like, I wasn't that hungry, but now I'm kind of hungry. <laughs> you know, you should get yourself a breakfast sandwich with, like, fresh eggs from the chickens. You know, it was bacon from someplace locally. Maybe it was a pig that we had. I don't know. I mean, it was, like, Cabot cheddar, obviously. It was all hashtag Team Cabot. That's not a thing, but, you know. <laughs> um, it was, like, oh, dude, it was. It came together. Ah, well, anyway, uh, I could predict that Andy Young... Uh, makes the be- best breakfasts on tour. Breakfasts makes the ba- best breakfast on tour all season. Is that be one? a good prediction? I like it. Um, I feel like realistically, uh, I kind of want to do something with the rookies because we have the largest rookie uh, uh, field on the tour. I think that we've ever had. Right, thirty-four of them, thirty-five of them, thirty-three of them, thirty-four. 34. Uh, yeah, 34. And yes, it is, to my knowledge, I mean, other than the first year, <laughs> the largest. <laughs> um, so I feel like I kind of want to do something with like a certain percentage of them qualifies for the cup. I got to do the math and I got to look at some names. But I feel like there's a lot of really good anglers in this rookie field. And I wouldn't be surprised if a decent amount of them make the Forestwood Cup. Because that's a hard thing to do in your first season on tour. It really is. Uh, and we've definitely, we've had plenty of notable rookies who have made the cup their first year. Uh, we've also had a lot of guys that we thought would make the cup did and did, not make the cup. You know, Russell Cecil did not make the cup last year. Mm-hmm. Like, there's plenty of, you can be really a good angler and, you know, go out on tour for the first year and a few things go wrong and all of a sudden, boom, you're not making the cup. Because right. it's really hard to do. I mean, right. there are long-time tour pros who don't make the cup every year. So yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's a really good one, but you're definitely going to want to math it out. So it's like, right. Because getting the math right on these predictions is, or cl- close enough to right to be plausible is I think important. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, no shade at you, Justin. I love that choice. <laughs> um, nobody's going to understand that because I edited his pick, but right. it's, uh, it's, in, it's out there in the wild. Um, uh, Oh, you know, and another one that I'm I'm contemplating, but I feel like uh, I feel like Wes Logan is going to have a really really good season, and I Wes Logan wins AOI. You want to do it for me? Well, maybe I he's going to catch him at Seminole. My prediction was actually going to be that he's in contention to win in two different events. I'm not oh, saying like he's going to win two top tens. Yeah, in contention to win. In two different events. That's what okay. I'm going Okay, so is that like two top fives then? Because you can be 10th sometime and not really be in it. That's true. You can also be in 10th and win it. Uh, you can. Yeah, I don't want to say top. Yeah, I want to say like top fives. Like Shout out to you, Clint Davis. Yes, very much um, so. I like that a lot. I would say Seminole and Chickamauga could set up real good for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, he's got some other potential ones in there. Like, he, I think Wes Logan's really good. Uh, this is a newsflash to nobody. So it really, honestly, if he won or top ten in any of the events, it wouldn't shock me really because like, I think he's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, um, I actually I should write that down because I think I'm that's gonna that's gonna be one. If you decide not to do it, let me know and I'll do it. You'll take it? I'll add gotcha. that in there. Yeah, if you're like, you know what, I'm not feeling it. I got other ones I want to do. Let me know. I'll pick up on that. Because right now, I've made the really super bold prediction of predicting that Brian Thrift will uh, win AOI. Oh. Um, which I know a lot of people would say, well, Jody, how could that happen? I mean, he's Brian Thrift. He's finished outside of the top 10 in AOI points twice in his career. Like, seriously, you think this guy can win AOI for a third time, <laughs> and I would say, yes, I think he can. I think he'll overcome the odds. But, <laughs> uh, you know, it's not that crazy. It's just, I think, a good prediction. I mean, I'd make it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I made it. Um, but I'm kind of looking for, I'm kind of in the market for another one. You know? Okay. I'll, I wanted I'll, to I'll predict snowball. that Josh Douglas wouldn't get disqualified, but I thought that was me. Yeah, uh, slightly. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so I, I haven't thought of any others that I'm like, oh, this is the one. I was thinking about predicting that Champlain gets one on the south end, Ooh. and I still might do that. Uh, the only 
I just I need to think about it a little more. I need to gather myself. I need to look at a little history from that specific time of year. I, I'm not. I, I don't know. Uh, but it could be a fun one, don't you think? Oh yeah, for sure. Because like, here's the thing. The last few years, the North End of Champlain has been game on. Like, it's been the place to be. But they're still down there. Mm -hmm. And you can still catch them pretty good. And a lot might depend on sort of the weather and how the smallmouth spawn goes. Because if the smallmouth spawn is, like, on when we're there, then that's going to be trouble for the South End boys. But if it's kind of really at the tail end pretty hard... That can be a really good sign for the south end. And then you got a shot. So, I don't know. I, I don't, one thing I'm not going to do is predict that the Champlain event is won with all smallmouth. I just, I would love that. But I feel like, you know, Ron Nelson did about as, you know, Ron Nelson, Brett Carnwright, like they did special things last year. I just don't see that happening two years in a row. Right. And that, I think that fourth day also kind of hurts that uh yeah, to, it's hard to, to it's hard to degree. line up that many yeah. uh, four pound class or three point nine pound now, class smallmouths. Could Austin Felix do that? Maybe. Well, he didn't last time. He did not. And but he was one of the only guys using a flogger. And now everyone's got one. Everyone's got one now, <laughs> and everyone's seen the Champlain smallmouth spawn like kick them out the last couple of years. Yeah. Now the on the opposite side of that. Which uh, Matt Steffen predicts that Austin Felix will win Champlain, um, which I love. Uh, but the uh, they're an adorable couple. They are so cute. <laughs> I love how they fight. I know. It's just it's it's wonderful. Like, so we got just on a side note here. Uh, I think we've mentioned it before <laughs> on the podcast that we have a group text. It's uh, you, me, Matt Steffen, and Austin Felix. And every now and then, they, sometimes we talk about tour stuff sometimes it's just life stuff so last night at like 10 o'clock we get a text from matt stefan i was asleep for this i just woke <laughs> up to this it is the portage county bass anglers big bass of the year trophy for matt stefan i thought it was big bag of the year or, sorry i said bass big bag correct big bag of the year matt stefan on the spirit river flowage 13.80 pounds and it said oh snap was his caption so Felix counters with his 2018 Northern Division Strike King Angler of the Year title from the uh, Coastal Series. Pretty good counter, I just got to say. <laughs> and then says, because I'm petty, dot, dot, dot. And Matt Steffen called him a show-off. But, yeah. man, I was laughing so hard when I... Dude, that was... I woke up to that and I was scrolling through. I'm like, oh, man, this is priceless stuff. This is great. <laughs> Which, you know what I think is maybe more impressive? Because Austin's down at Rayburn, isn't he? I think so, yeah. So that, that he means, found cell service? Is that the more impressive part? No, I thought it was more impressive that he carries the trophy with him. I mean, not that I'm saying, like, I wouldn't be super proud of it and keep it with me, but just to have it, like, in my truck, uh, I don't know. I feel like I would, you know, have it sitting at home. He's been at home for a while. Uh, I thought he'd have it proudly displayed, but I was like, dang, that dude carries that thing around with him. Okay, now, Kyle, I love that theory, but have you heard of camera rolls? It's like where you store photos you've taken. But then, so here's the other question I'll bring up. Why would you just have a picture of your plaque, like, just there? You know what I mean? There are, like, uh, you know, other ways and means of doing so. And are you showing it off to that many people? Again, not that I wouldn't, you know, be proud of it. It's just such an odd thing. It, there I were think more questions. If that, I won the Northern Division AOI, there's a non-zero chance that I would just take the trophy and laminate it and like stick it on the side of my truck, like Wesley <laughs> did with his face. Oh, dude, you could make a hood ornament. I'm just, I'm just saying, I would not be shy about it. Well, that's yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'd probably make like shirts and sets of underwear that said Northern Division Angler of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have a you whole know, apparel line. go all in. <laughs> That's understandable. Um, That's understandable. Anyway, so still speaking of Austin Felix, though the the plus side of why he could win or why he could catch all smallmouths and do it is that you've got. And this is on Champlain, in case folks lost track. <laughs> <laughs> you've got a uh, you know smallmouths. A lot of times 
I found will spawn in the exact same place. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, like 100%. literally the same rock every year. You'll find yep. one. You'll find a bet on it. So, you know, while Chris Adams has like a booklet of places to go check, Austin Felix is probably building up a pretty good booklet of places to go check for sure. And he could just theoretically, I mean, he could run a lot of stuff really fast and. You know, if you look at, like, the guys who he's going to be fishing against who have done that, like, Ron Nelson has a bank of those kind of spots. I mm-hmm. bet that Scott Martin's built up a pretty good bank of those. But it's not like there's a ton of Champlain smallmouth spawn superstars in the field yeah. who pre who are preloaded with spots like that. Mm-hmm. So I could definitely... I could see him having this pretty solid advantage, despite the fact that everyone else is going to at least investigate it this time around. It'll be a it'll be a very interesting event because there are like a handful of guys uh, that are pretty good with the largemouth. Well, Scott Martin, I think, is really dangerous because he's I think he's got a pretty he good understanding both. of the largemouth thing. Yeah, yeah, and he's got that bank of smallmouth stuff. Um, but like you got Brian Schmidt, uh, Ron Nelson. Also, I feel like you could kind of oh, yeah, go oh, yeah. either way on that. I threw. I was when I was David thinking Dudley. of guys. Yep. I think Dudley much more a largemouth guy than a smallmouth guy. Or yeah, he's much yes. more a combo than a straight smallmouth. Yes, for sure. Um, if Dudley wins, it's a combo or it's largemouth. I don't think he wins with all smallmouth. I wouldn't see that happening. Um, there's. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else who like. Oh, this is a guy who would challenge on that and. I guess right now it's, like, not super coming to mind. You know, I don't know, like, how Cody Honor is at the smallmouth spawn or, like, other northern guys. Um, I feel like John Cox, because uh, he did that Bass Open up there last year. Yep. And he was catching was, smallmouths on beds. Uh, uh, maybe. I yeah, mean, he was with his girls. Uh, they weren't big. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what he did in the tournament. I just he know def- he was texting me that it was, like, the most fun he's ever had in his life. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he was catching them on beds in the tournament. Um, no, but I mean, the point is, the dude's really good at sight fishing. That is a good uh, point. So, on a body of water where he can actually, like, see decently well, and he at least experimented with it a little bit last year, uh, you know, I feel like you got to at least throw him in the mix for possibly being able to figure out the smallmouth deal. Yeah. One thing that could be real interesting is if... Uh, he actually one guy Charles Sim who we're gonna talk to, who we talked to. I haven't talked to him about this, so maybe he's. Uh, oh yeah, I got him dialed. But he did pretty decent at that Champlain Derby last year in the mm-hmm. Costas. Um, but you know, if it's really rough in practice and the weather's bad for finding fish, that could be great for Felix because oh yeah, he could look at those places a lot more mm-hmm. quickly and you know be a lot more you know able to do that. Uh, so if sure. you get bad weather in practice, I think that could bode well for uh, Felix smashing smallmouths. Uh, still, we'll see. It's Champlain. That's the beautiful thing about it is, like, there are so many different things that can happen on that lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'll predict that Lake Champlain will be my favorite tour event of the year. I was going to say, I don't think anyone is surprised that, A, we've spent so much time on Champlain, and, B, uh, it revolved around smallmouths. But here we yeah. are. No, no, no. It's, also, uh, it's part of what you expect. On a slight uh, change of pace, and we don't need to go in too much uh, thought into this, but, like, how much is Bradley Holman going to win by on Grand? Well, mm, I don't know. I mean, I hope a lot because, like, here's the thing. It's Bradley Holman. Uh, there's a pretty good chance that this is a shallow derby. Actually, a, a really almost 100% chance, I would say. Yeah. And... I mean, man, when he wins on tour, he usually wins pretty big. Yeah, the dude does not let off the gas pedal when he when he uh, wins. So I would, I'd be down to see that. Uh, what I want to see Bradley Holman do, this is what I'm going to predict. I'm going to oh. predict that Bradley Holman makes the Forestwood Cup. Ooh, I like it. Here's the thing. He's never done that before. <laughs> he's also never well, made the Classic. My dude Bradley Holman does not fish for points. No, and he admits that. He, he just he goes for the win, and when it works out, boy, does it work out. But when it yeah. doesn't work out, definitely <laughs> is... But, man, uh, like, 
you got Rayburn in there. That could be a flipping derby. Uh, you've got Grand in there. Like, those should set up really good for him. He catches fish in Florida from time to time, so mm-hmm. Seminole gets mixed in there. I mean, he's a power guy. Like, I think that uh, I think there's a pretty good chance that uh, Chickamauga uh, plays well for him. There could still be some sight fish then, too. Like, Cherokee, that could be a good derby. I think Cherokee, uh, I can see him catching They could need a blade them. or something. Yeah, I mean, he's also a guy who's pretty good at fishing down lake. Like, you don't, you don't think of him as, like, a clear water guy, but, like, day one at Lanier... When he won at Grand that year, they were on beds. He yep. won in the clear water. Like, I think he's got that kind of stuff. If Cherokee fishes at all, like the Ozarks, he's at least going to be comfortable there. For sure. Um, For sure. Champlain, I feel like, is a potential toe stubbage area because he just seems to run into one every year where it doesn't go well. And I want to say, like, well, he should catch him at Champlain because the man knows how to flip. But, dude, you never know. You know what I mean? Right, right. But I, uh, I think, uh, dude, if I had a pen right now, I would write down what I'm going to predict. And so instead, I'm going to type it. <laughs> okay, go. boom. Jody's second prediction. I'm going super not bold and sort of bold. I'm predicting <laughs> a thing will happen that has yet to happen, ever. That's bold. That is. Right? Kind of. Um, All righty. What a... Uh, what else do we want to you know predict anything else or do we want to continue on here Nah, i think we should get moving on only because right. I we think are a we little need pressed to get for time on. yeah yeah uh kyle we got an email we did uh this was with regards to the last podcast uh and now i don't have the tab open there it is um uh this is from austin perbilski uh, provided the pronunciation key, which we love. Thank you, which, Austin. Which he did last time he emailed us. Uh, Austin contacted us, uh, and I apologize if it's been more than once. I think the one that stands out to me is you were talking about uh, fish and hot dogs on Devil's Lake uh, for Northern Pike on tip-ups, which is what we talked about last time uh, on the podcast. So he sends an email, uh, says, hey, dudes, got in the perch on Devil's Lake, and boy, did he uh, – if anyone is looking, like you're living in the north and you want to ice fish and you like eating fish, perch is fantastic. I'm talking yellow perch. So if you're down south and you're listening to this and you're thinking like whatever else you call a perch that's not actually a perch, uh, I'm talking yellow perch. They are muy tasty. He's also got a lot of nice walleyes in there. So I bet they, f- they fed they well. they look like little walleyes. Well, he's got perch and then there's walleyes on the side. Yeah, but don't they look small? Oh, nice eater size, I guess is what I'm oh. getting at. Yeah, yeah, not like great big okay. ones. Yeah, 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 I don't know what a good walleye Sandwiches. is. I always, Sandwiches. I would catch that. I'd be like, how did I catch this? Because um, yeah, usually I catch like big ones on like jerk baits and stuff. <laughs> some of these perch look like they're the size of some of those walleyes. So, uh, yeah. Hey, did do you want me to send you that picture of perch uh, Mark and I caught at Candlewood that time? Yeah. All right, I'll do that. It's it's worth revisiting. Continue. Uh, but anyway. Uh, he said that uh, catching perch and, and ice fishing is just something you got to do till uh, to pass the time till open water. But he said he has some tips for Jody. He says bring a lipless crankbait, uh, bring your lipless crankbait box when you go ice fishing for pike. They'll rip the rod out of your hands. Let it sink, rip it up a foot, and hold it there. Maybe put a chunk of bait on the bottom if you want, uh, but the rattle will call them in. And if you're using tip ups with dead baits and hot dogs, uh, you're bound to bound to hook up. He says which is a fantastic point, Austin. Um, yeah, if you do go out, Jody, and you're around some pike, if you got some lipless cranks hanging around, you should, like, just drop them down and jiggle them around a little bit because, boy, howdy, do they knock the crap out of it when they hit it. Well, I love a guaranteed fish, uh, for sure, and it sounds pretty guaranteed. Um to his that, point, I've also had notes where you you like you rip the rattle bait for a little while, like maybe you hadn't dropped it down for a little bit. You've been running all tip ups, and then uh, like in Minnesota, you can only use two lines per person. So sometimes we'll have one guy will pull a tip up in, and one guy will go around and jig some of the open holes. And just in doing that, you'll trigger a fish to bite one of the tip up lines. Uh, I don't know why, but they do. Uh, so yeah, keep it in mind. And thanks for pointing that out, Austin. 
Uh, yeah. So I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm in favor of it for sure. Dang! Look uh, at these perch you caught. I'm telling you, man. Candlewood's got them, dude. That, <laughs> dang, man. I love that half the podcast is just us discussing text that other people can't see. I know, I know. Um, it's <laughs> obviously not great radio, but, you know, it's kind of one of those deals. Yeah, I wear like there's a size a si- 12. Yeah, the size side. of your shoe is how big these perch are, which are... Well, bigger. Well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, Magnum-sized perch. Yeah, dude, they were hogs. Um, that was We had a blast catching them, too. Like Gosh, we were, they were fun. They were, uh, they were just, like, floating around. Well, not floating around. I mean, they were... You could mark them and stuff. They were sitting in like, I don't know, like 30 feet of water or whatever. You drop down, boom. I brought them to Grammy. She was like overjoyed. Oh, yeah. Was, good call. Real Lord good knows call. I'm not cleaning those perch. I'm not doing that. <laughs> you didn't clean them for? No, man. What a terrible grandson. It would have made it worse. Look, I brought her the fish. She was excited about it. I don't clean fish. I'm, mm. That's my thing that I'm learning. That's why I don't keep them. I hate cleaning them. See, I, I do that with walleyes for grams and gramps. But uh, I usually at least knock the sides off them and then give them the fillet uh, so then they can do as they will with it. Now, I threw them in a garbage bag with some snow, put them in the bed of the truck, and brought them on up. <laughs> Hashtag northern life. <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed like a good way to transport them. <laughs> no, dude, it's perfect. Um, all right. But Austin has some uh, disappointment for us as well, which is fair, and we need to discuss this at some point anyhow, correct? Yeah, I, I Honestly, I thought we—I guess I—I I thought we'd covered this before, but apparently not. Well, uh, I don't know that we have, and you know, it seems like this news—I don't really know how this news broke because it's not like we were like, "Hey, everybody, here's a thing." It's just—it's a thing. Yeah. So uh, he said he wanted to tell us that he's disappointed uh, that we didn't break the news that there is no fantasy fishing next year. He says, "Come on, guys. Uh, he's going to listen. He's going to miss listening to the fantasy fishing chat." Uh, and actually playing the game, uh, he even won a red eye shad uh, oh, dang. Awesome. for one of Keep his uh, one of his teams this year. But as it happens in the North Country, he said it also didn't last too long because a uh, little toothy northern pike got a hold of it. So, uh, yeah, no fancy fishing next year, which it means is a no real fancy tragedy. fishing podcast. Uh, we could maybe still do like some sort of like podcast the week uh, i guess i mean we can do whatever we want because you know it's free country us. yeah um yeah i think the i mean obviously we're still going to do you know some registration type stuff interviews that sort of thing and registration's earlier this year so it'll be out earlier yes uh, but yeah with the i won't say death of fantasy fishing because i think there's a chance that it comes back next year uh you know especially because uh, I assume that everyone who loved fantasy fishing will probably write in to FLW and be like, hey, bring it back. What, what's the deal? Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, I think that it was just a matter of folks. There weren't there weren't as many people playing as folks wanted. And, you know, you can kind of, it was work to do. So, anyhow, mm-hmm. such is life. But I think you and I are probably going to do some fantasy fishing on our own. Uh, you yeah. Know, probably yeah. in addition to the Costa... The uh, Costa Challenge will probably have a tour challenge of some sort. Yeah, I think um, so. Not sure how we'll pick that out or whatever, but you know that'll happen. Um, and I guess uh, I guess we'll see. I don't know. You know, I think that I think that Tour Week is likely to be just a one podcast week going forward. Is my guess. Well, I suppose what can happen is it might just be slightly. It could be longer because there could be stuff that we normally would cover on the fancy fishing podcasts like lake conditions and things like that that we i feel like sometimes slacked off on the regular podcast yeah well we kind of figure that we there's no point in doing it twice right 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 um so i think it could be longer we could also still do sort of a pre-game podcast with just you and with just you and i and then the interview section that we do at registration which i think i kind of like that one quite a bit too Ooh, yeah uh, the world is our oyster. Out earlier in the week, and then you know after day one, day two of practice, and then something that comes out and folks can listen to, you know, day one of the derby, uh, or something like that. So right, right. I think that there's some solid potential on that front, um, but we'll see. Uh, again, it's a new venture for us, obviously. Yes. But anyway, Austin, hopefully you keep listening, and uh, thank you for your email. Yeah, uh, great. His is. is uh... The subject line was tips for Jody and the disappointment. 
which is fantastic clickbait. Uh, uh, yes. I mean, obviously, I always... it came to FLW Podcast or podcast at FLWFishing.com. Uh, I was going to click it anyway. Yeah, I was too. But then I was like, oh, man, this is going to be good. I thought it was like disappointment in Jody, but no, it was disappointment in us. So, yeah. Oh, uh, for sure. Also, Austin, sometime if I'm ever in the Devil's Lake area, uh, I'll have to hit you up. We can go perch fishing. <laughs> Kyle really wants to get on those perch. <laughs> Dude, I've always wanted to go fishing. I got a house up there, uh, you know, like 30 minutes from Devil's. So, uh, you know, we could hang out, uh, enjoy winter together, catch some walleyes, catch some pike. I really want to see this pike on a hot dog thing because I haven't done it myself. Uh, I mean, I trust that it's a thing. Maybe I'll get the confidence up to actually hang some dogs <laughs> on a on a tip up but maybe i'd need to see it in person first kyle i might try it for you thanks Joey. i might uh the weather again looks a little iffy for my ice fishing ventures but if i go ice fishing i'm gonna procure a hot dog and i'm gonna hang it on a tip up and i'm gonna see what happens trust me i love it i'll probably catch like a 400 pound pike it'll be the new state <laughs> record you're gonna catch uh um champ but, like, not Champ. It'd be well, like, I'm not going to fish in Champlain, and Champ lives in Champlain. That's what I'm saying. It, it'd be like the Loch Ness like Monster, another... but not, yeah, it'd be like Champ's cousin or something. Oh, that'd be cool. I'd yeah. be down for that. Scamp. You'll catch Scamp. Okay. We'll see, folks. Um, let's see. We're running down on time, but is there anything else we want to touch on here? I, I guess I should talk about some fishing that I did even though it was definitely not any catching. Yeah, you, you attempted to do some fishing. Yeah, so Billy and Charles and I went to the Niagara River. This is like the lower part, so it's below the waterfall. So if I'd fallen in, I would have just floated into Lake Erie. Uh, I would not have floated, or Lake Ontario. I would have not. I would not have floated over the waterfall and then into Lake Ontario. Uh, it's a pretty cool place, um, but from what I can tell, we were kind of there swinging for the fences. Uh, <laughs> Charles was like our guide, and... Typically, like when I choose to, when I'm taking somebody fishing who hasn't really fished there before or if there's a limited amount of time, I'm going to like try and go straight to either the juice or like the place that I think is most likely we're going to catch fish. Right. And they were definitely fish around. Like we saw them. Uh, they were visible to us. We saw some other people catch them. We did not catch them. Um, but it wasn't too cold. Uh, it was actually like That's above good. freezing the whole time, which was pretty cool. Yeah. And it's a cool river. We got to watch this jet boat they've got go up and down a few times. Apparently, it goes like into white water, like right below the falls. I want that thing for covering derbies. It looks awesome. Oh, that'd be sweet. Uh, dude, it's like aluminum, but it's like all covered up. So you can, I guess you could be on the back deck if you wanted to, but like the interior, it's like a rocket ship basically, as far as I can tell. It looks ultra sweet. Yep. Sign me up. Uh, so. You know, it was cool. We steelhead fishes. We drift a whole bu- drifted a whole bunch of things. I drifted some Kitex on little heads. Lost like a bunch of them. <laughs> um, and uh, I mean, it was fun, but no fish. So that's mm. the uh, that's the report on that front. Well, maybe next time. I hope so. I sincerely hope so. I want. I mean, I want to catch them. I would prefer to catch them than not. Sure, sure. You know, as is usual. But anyhow, that's my uh, that's my report there. Um, and I guess, uh, you know, looking at the weather up here, as far as can I go ice fishing, it seems like, it seems like it's going to be iffy, uh, cause we're supposed to get some rain and, uh, it's supposed to be in the forties and fifties, uh, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, which to me, mm. probably Friday, Saturday, definitely off limits. And then I don't think it's going to get cold enough to get it back going i think tomorrow could be the day just because it's gonna get down it's gonna you know it's gonna get into above freezing now but it's gonna get down below freezing again tonight it was like 10 last night like i think there's a pretty decent chance that tomorrow i could have safe ice oh yeah my hope is uh you know i gotta go check some things which i'm gonna do this afternoon i think but i think there's a chance that uh tomorrow's the ice fishing day well, and it depends on how much ice you have in general, but, you know, worst case, that warm weather and the rain 
is just going to make it like miserable to be on the ice. Like there'll be standing water on it and it's like all soupy and sloppy and like just not fun to walk on, especially if you don't have really any snow. Yeah, we don't have a whole ton of snow. I think, uh, I think we got enough that probably it's on most of the ice, but you know, and it's probably really nicely walkable, but I would imagine that after, you know, some seriously warm weather, she gone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, I'll report on that, and if I do go ice fishing, hot dogs will probably maybe be involved. <laughs> uh, Love the optimism. Um, Kyle, are you going to go fishing at all or not? No. Uh, I was kind of hoping it'd be cold enough that when I go down to Iowa for Christmas, uh, I could jump on a farm pond or two, but it has been like 50 degrees down there, and it's going to keep being warm. And I ain't about to walk on that ice. So I'm going to go pheasant on. Yeah, that's uh, probably smart. Hey, what's the handball situation? Dude, handballs for days, man. Okay. Uh, you'll probably okay. get a handball picture uh, Christmas morning. Uh, we do a brunch. That's usually when, like, the first round of handball show up. I'm not doing Christmas uh, with, like, my mom's side of the family until the following weekend. So that will be the second round of handballs. All right. All right. I like it. That sounds like a guaranteed. The Thanksgiving handballs, sometimes they show up. It's like a pleasant surprise when they do. Uh, Christmas is like your for sure bank on it, count it on the handballs. (laughs) Okay. I can, I can dig it. Um, As far as scheduling goes, I would say don't expect a podcast next week. Uh, Don't even expect an interview. Just like be chill. Yep. Just enjoy the holiday season. Uh, well, I guess it'll be after uh, whatever you celebrate. Uh, yeah. Well, next week is you know I'm not Christmas in the office for, next week. Yeah. For I'm, us, then I'm fishing. But the week after that, first week of January, you better believe we're gonna have a podcast because we gotta we talk be about back. Lake Amistad. Yeah. Because uh, the season starts real soon, <laughs> dude. Like so soon, <laughs> so soon. Uh, and then the week after that. Uh, Yours truly will be driving down to Sam Rayburn, and we're gonna figure out some podcasts then. So uh, it's pretty much uh, it's pretty much happening. It's about to go down. Yeah, man, I'm excited. I can't wait. Sorry, you're so excited I yawned, you're yawning. I yawned there, but I didn't. Uh, I didn't intend to. Oh um, man, it's gonna be a blast. Um, but anyhow, I think that'll probably do it. Uh, Kyle, uh, is there any uh, is there any place people should contact us at or anything like that? Let's just say you have any questions, comments, concerns, maybe you just want to say hey, uh, you should send us an email, podcast at flwfishing.com. We'd love to hear from you. I think that's good. If you want to follow FLW in uh, any places, uh, you know, to see what uh, we're all up to, um, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube, and Twitter are good places to be. Mm-hmm. They are all uh, just FLW Fishing. Uh, flwfishing.com is obviously an ideal location uh, for all fishing fans. And, of course, uh, Kyle, you're at Kyle Lumber, and I'm at Jody Blanco on Instagram. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, there's Snapchat. It's flwofficial. From the sounds of it, we're going to be using that like a little bit less this year, I guess. So maybe there's going to be cool stuff there. Maybe not. But it's definitely an option. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that pretty much wraps things up, eh? I think it does. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Enjoy your holiday season. Jody, Merry Christmas. Uh, And we'll talk with everyone in a few weeks in 2019. See ya.